Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Tuesday, March 1st edition of the Basement Academy. As we begin a new month and as we offer our morning psalm, I love the day one psalms, the five psalms and one chapter Proverbs that we read. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back to January of last year of 2021 in the Basement Academy studies. They'll be archived and they'll explain all about uh, praying the psalms. And so Psalm 121 is a pilgrim psalm as they're journeying towards Jerusalem, looking up to the hills, seeing there the shrines to pagan gods. I look to the hills. Where does my help come from? Not from the hills, not from these pagan gods. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And so it's not we're looking to the hills for inspiration. We're looking to the hills and confirming that is not where I get my strength from. My strength comes from God. We live in a society that has no shortage of gods in the hills. That is all kinds of enticements and resources that our world will offer as substitutes for God. And so um, as we begin this month together, let's, let's offer this prayer with the confidence that God is watching over us. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. And so, Lord, watch over our comings and goings in our lives uh, this new month that we share together in community at Greenwich. Okay, some more questions from the Academy. Two questions today that came at different times, presumably from different people, but kind of I've tucked together. Um, and they, they're kind of going to you know, ask me to go behind the curtain a little bit, uh, invite you behind the curtain. The first is this, Donna's pastor, are you able and or allowed to personally have any close friends within the Greenwich community uh, or does your leadership role prevent that and require you to be friendly and impartial to the church family as a whole? Great question. Pastors always should be friendly pastors always should be impartial, um, and, and I seek to do that. I, I by no means believe I do that perfectly, um, but, but, but these are thoughts and intents, intentions of, of mine. By friendly, I, I think pastors do well to be kind and amiable and attentive, to help, you know, recall people's names, greet them well, listen uh, be supportive, make themselves available, because this is the right thing to do, right? Um, there are a couple different ways of thinking about friendship. Um, I will often speak in a kind of a soft or loose way about our friends 
who, you know, friends with whom I may differ, right? So I might, I went to UVA. I might talk about my friends who went to Virginia Tech. As Christians, we might talk about our Muslim friends. Um, in the political arena, we might talk about our Republican or Democrat friends, you know, kind of being magnanimous and generous across the aisle, across the, the, the differences. And so there's a, a, a kind of a generosity of, of spirit, uh, kind of a humanitarian uh, approach that sees others in a kindly light and speaks in such a manner. I try to do that as well. But I think the question is talking about, are you able or allowed to personally have any close friends? So now we're talking about friendship in a manner that, you know, um, probably conveys an, 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 a familiarity and a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a relationship that is beyond the run-of-the-mill parishioner, you know, or, you know, people you know at work, you know, work acquaintances versus, you know, a, a colleague that is different. And so in this context, you know, friendship is often thought of, um, you know, on a deeper level. So, so people talk kind of metaphorically of a deeper level where burdens are shared, um, intimacies, struggles are, are, are shared and, and known, perhaps socializing together, vacationing uh, together uh, and the like. Um, and so the question is, are pastors allowed to? Well, there's, there's nothing that says you can't, um, but anybody who's in the helping professions has received the same kind of guidance that I have received. A therapist typically will not socialize with their clients, right? The concern being that that intimacy and that friendship will prevent the therapist from asking the hard question, um, um, you know, being neutral enough, being impartial enough to sometimes offer the, the, the hard counsel that might need to be a, a, a difficult word that might need to be spoken. Um, and I think similarly then with pastors, there is concern in that regard that somehow a close friendship would compromise the impartiality within the congregation and decisions might begin to be affected by that friendship so as not to offend or, you know, so things might be skewed in the direction of the, the, the friend, as it were. I think that's some of the concern. Um, frankly, some of this is just a, maybe a temperament reality. Introverts, gen so pastors who are introverts generally are going to have a much smaller circle of connection, right? They may be perceived as less friendly, right? Because they're just not out there. Extroverts like myself, I, mean, I just, you know, let's go work the room. Let's just have fun. You know, let's, let's, you know, let's just talk to everybody on Sunday. And I try to do that. I love running around and catching up with folks. <clears throat> And so um, sometimes that might be perceived, you know, in a way that I, maybe I'm not intending it, that this is now my close friend. I, 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 don't, I don't distance myself intentionally from people at Greenwich. I don't intentionally try to force myself uh, upon people. Um, and so I think it's a great question. Um, the, the concern, another concern, with respect to, you know, the therapist or the pastor not being able to say the hard word, another concern has to do with the 
for lack of any other term, kind of a balance of power. The pastor often sits in the place, as does a therapist or counselor, of hearing concerns, needs. In the, in the pastoral context, we might talk about the confession of sins. Somebody might come to the pastor and they're unburdening themselves and they're looking to the pastor for uh, spiritual comfort and guidance, absolution, you know, a pronouncing, reminding that, that in Christ we are forgiven. And the pastor typically doesn't confess the sins back to the, you know, to the parishioner. The parishioner is not there for that purpose to grant absolution. So there is a, you know, a, a, an idea that you maintain a professional distance. You, you don't share much of yourself so that the person can come, you know, for confession, for absolution, for unburdening themselves so that they don't have to then listen to the pastor and go, oh my gosh, he's really struggling right now. I've got to help them. And, and so for that reason, I, I am typically reticent to, to share, you know, because I don't want to burden a congregant, if that makes sense. And it's not that I'm unwilling to share my life. I do have people I do that with. Um, but typically I see that my job is to lay down my life, as it were, to sacrifice some portion. You know, I might want a friendship beyond what is appropriate, um, but I, you know, hold back in order to um, so as not to burden. And, and that's it. I don't want to be a burden to the flock, right? I, I'm called to serve the flock. I don't want to be a burden to the flock, you know, and, I, you know, there are pastors maybe who do a lot of that and share their stuff and their struggles from the pulpit. And then all of a sudden it comes about caring for the pastor. And now the work of the church is to make sure the pastor's happy and healthy and all that. And, you know, I just don't see that as the role. But there, there's a passage that I do want to read. It's from, it's John chapter 15. We read this a couple weeks ago um, in our um, series on character formation. This is the vine and the branches. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit and this will be to my Father's glory. In that same passage... Jesus says this, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Hmm. Okay, so Jesus is using that language. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. And so there it seems to be... <laughs> The friendship is, I call you now friends because you know my business. You know what I'm about. Everything the Father has told me, I'm now telling, I have told you. And so Jesus brings his disciples into the circle of intimacy, shares with them the Father's business, which is really his business. And, and so um, I see, you know, if, if Jesus is willing to call his followers, friends, then a pastor can call his flock friends also to the degree then that I'm laying down my life and offering myself in sacrifice and service uh, to the church family. So 
So I guess those are some thoughts. Um, there, there's, there's maybe more uh, about that, but I do. I feel like I have friends within the uh, in the congregation. Some naturally closer than others, just because I, I've been here 21 years, and so I've just known some folks longer, and have just shared conversation. And I've gone through some ups and downs with you know uh, parents dying, uh, you know, over the years and kids growing up and you know so i've enjoyed the support and the 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 fellowship and the friendship of the congregation for which i'm deeply uh, deeply thankful i do welcome your feedback if you feel somehow i'm not impartial you know or in some way if this question is arising from uh, a concern I, i welcome that which leads me to the second question um it it's Put very simply and succinctly, is there really a difference between a politician and a pastor, a constituency versus a congregation? Good question. I had never quite thought about that. Um, uh, my thoughts run in three directions. One, <clears throat> there's somewhat of a cynical view that we could take that says essentially they're the same person, that there is no difference between a pastor and a politician, that they are essentially trying to convince a people to support a cause, the cause that the pastor or the politician wants supported, and that underneath that is ambition, um, is perhaps some power or power-hungry character, that... um, there may be uh, a willingness to evade the truth or be loose with the truth in some ways so as to influence that group towards its, you know, the chosen end of the pastor or the politician, that spin and the like are, you know, kind of in play, that the pastor's just spinning things um, like a a politician spins things so as to kind of keep people a little bit, you know, in the fog, just keep supporting my plan, my ambitions, my goal, etc. So there's a cynical view that says they're the same. Um, there's an idealist view, I think, that sees no, there's no connection at all between pastor and politician, that the pastor is involved in the holy work of of the kingdom of God and using only speaking the truth, only using the Bible as their you know chosen text, and that they're a humble servant who is serving the flock towards some godly ends of the kingdom of God. So that's the you know kind of view there. That so the idealist sees the pastor there, whereas the politicians involved not in the holy work of the kingdom but the dirty work <laughs> of of the earthly kingdoms, right? Not the heavenly kingdom, but the earthly kingdom. And that the the politician is a power broker, um, will do anything, um, that, that the ends and means, you know, the ends justify the means, you know, so the pastor's about the means of grace, whereas the politician is about whatever means possible to achieve these, you know, political ends. And so there's an, an idealist view that sees these two as completely separate. So the cynical view sees them as the same person. The idealist view sees them as no connection. The realist view, which is what I take, says that there probably are aspects 
a successful pastorate will have to learn the skills of diplomacy and tact. The politicians certainly do well. You know, no, nobody gets elected if you just say bad things all the time, right? They're, they're, well, maybe we did elect one person that way. Um, but th there is a, a need for, for a certain diplomatic skills, you know, kind of tact and, and give and take and, and a willingness to answer things in a manner so as not to offend, okay? So the, the pastor ought never seek to offend. Um, that, that ends and means are involved, that there is a kind of a vision for the community. So a pastor has a vision for the community. A politician has a vision for the community. Um, there is, so that's the end, as it were, kind of an outcome. And there are means towards that end. I think where the difference, so there, I think there's some overlap, um, certainly. I, I think both have to wrestle with the powers of persuasion versus the powers of coercion, right? I understand the pastor's job is, or, or call is to persuade people. Use the word, the pulpit, um, you know, uh, conversation, committee time, whatever, you know, to use words to influence and persuade, but not you know, bring the levers of power, threatening people, bullying people, uh, and the like. Now, pastors do that, frankly. Um, there's some sad, very sad um, examples, um, even in our contemporary society, of where pastors have become kind of bullies uh, towards their churches. But as I understand it, both pastors and politicians require some at least perception of credibility. Now, I think for the pastors, it ha must be true credibility, must be true integrity. Um, but I think the, the politician ought to have that as well, right? I think the difference ha lies in this, that the pastor must, and this kind of works back to the maybe the friendship question, the, the pastor must deal with transparency all the work of the pastor must be engaged with honesty, with integrity, with humility. If asked the question, the pastor must answer truthfully. We can't have spin. Now, there are times that I may not be able to answer because I don't know the answer or something's in process that, that is, would be premature to share an answer or you know, inappropriate in some way. But those of you who were here you know, some years ago when we walked through the uh, misconduct situation with our youth director, I, I was as open book as I knew how to be, more than some wanted me to be, uh, but I, I know no other way to do that. So there's transparency, integrity. Some of the question will be where you, differ, where you differentiate the pastor and the politician. When confronted, politicians sometimes double back down and they say, oh yeah, watch this. When confronted, the pastor always ought to be humble, ought to welcome criticism and feedback, ought to engage in self-examination, ought to say I was wrong, or seek some further explanation transparently to explain the, the situation. Um, where's politicians, I think? You know, if you're not on board the train and you don't want to be part of what I'm about, pff, heck with you, I'm moving on. Whereas 
and so now it speaks to the difference, the constituency versus the congregation. A pastor is in a covenantal relationship with a congregation. A politician is not in that with his or her constituency, right? The, the, the goal of the pastorate is not their own ambitions, their own dreams. It is the well-being of the community. And so the pastor is the friend in the sense of laying down their life that others may succeed. Whereas the politician, the constituency is only there for the benefit of the politician. At least that's it's perceived that way, right? And so um, in a covenantal relationship, my explicit goal and purpose for being in relationship is not to advance my own agenda but to advance the lives of the congregation through prayer through sacrifice through instruction through word through listening through comfort through sharing faith and hope and love um, through tears and laughter all of this is to strengthen the lives of the congregation both the individual lives and family lives, but then the community life, right? And so um, that is, the, so my, the pastor's job covenantally, so called into that relationship, bound by a covenant that can only be dissolved by an act of the congregation. The congregation, it was the act of the congregation to call that pastor the congregation alone can dissolve that relationship. And so in the Presbyterian form of government, if and when I leave, well, I will leave at some point, right? Unless I die in office, um, the congregation will have to act to dissolve the pastoral relationship. It doesn't end with a certain term, you know, after four years or two years. And that's significant that you, Greenwich, made me your pastor you called me to be here. I didn't assert myself. I didn't, you know, bully my way in. You conferred that upon me. And so I'm only pastor to the degree that it is continues to be conferred. And then it will one day be dissolved. Uh, we, will, we will take that away from you and give it to someone else. And so that's a very different kind of relationship. Even though both pastor and politician get elected, it's a very, very different process. Um, so interesting question. I never have quite thought of it in that way. I would say both in line with the first question uh, as well as the second question, if there is anything tucked into these questions that has concern uh, for integrity, transparency, for impartiality and the like, I welcome the feedback. So please use the little, you know, box on the website or email me directly. Um, if any, you know, whoever asked the questions, you know, wishes to follow up or anybody else would welcome that because that will only serve to strengthen my life. And ultimately then I think the, it'll benefit Greenwich. Um, you know, as pastor, I'm always engaging in self-examination. You know, did I do this right? Could I have said this differently? Did I overstate uh, or understate or, you know, overstep or understep, you know, something in a situation? These leadership conversations we've got going now are fraught with all this stuff, right? Because it's, you know, we're kind of trying to discern a future together and it's just going to, you know, just like when we went through our building project, it's tricky. 
And, you know, there are folks who will question my motives and, and question my actions and words, and I accept that. This is just part of the part of the burden of being pastor. But I do welcome your feedback. Um, if there's something that you would like me to consider uh, on, on these lines uh, for my own benefit and the benefit of others, please pass that along. But I do welcome your prayers always <laughs> uh, for me, for my family, and for Eric uh, and his family as we seek to shepherd the flock well, okay? Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Lord Jesus, thank you for laying down your lives for your friends, those first disciples, and then by extension, each of your disciples, even down to us. And so you have made the Father's business known to us. Everything you received and learned from the Father, you've made known, and we thank you for that. Help us to learn and to grow. Lord, thank you for the friendships that we do enjoy, and especially those I enjoy and the support and encouragement of the congregation over these many years. Lord, may may we always walk with uh, humility, transparency, integrity, uh, and grace towards one another. And so uh, keep us, Lord, shepherd us, guide us uh, as a church family and as individuals within the church family. And we pray this in the name of the Savior who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, may God the Father give to you a deep sense of the friendship of Jesus in your life through the grace of his Holy Spirit. May he do it this day and forevermore. Amen.